What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, October the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and with a somber mood, as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Miami is throttled in Houston. We'll talk about the major areas where the Dolphins melted down, discuss the individual efforts, and close up shop by trying to figure out where this team goes from here as we approach the trade deadline and what appears to be another season on the brink. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review, follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. And Jason Harina, our staff lead, is pinch hitting for me on the post game column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys can find that right now as we try to pick up the pieces after this really devastating loss to the Miami Dolphins. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get things cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins. 42-23. 42 points, zero takeaways, zero sacks. Deshaun Watson threw more touchdown passes than he did in completions. Over the last two weeks, Miami has forced eight incomplete passes and allowed seven touchdown passes. Over the last three games, the rushing defense has allowed more than 600 yards on the ground to the opposition, but to the Bears, the Lions, and the Texans, three teams that really haven't been that great at running the football to begin with. It's a miracle that they grabbed a win in one of those games, and frankly, I think we probably should have seen this coming. The beginning part of the season is feeling more and more like a mirage than it ever was before. And boy, this team sure can squander a great start to a season, can't they? After going 3-0 in 2013, they dropped four in a row, and now they have lost four out of five here in 2018 after a 3-0 start. Speaking of the same defense here in 2018, all those interceptions, all those red zone stops, this team was something of a house of cards, and even though I had a pretty good feeling this team was going to get ran out of Houston on Thursday night, it still stings all the same. I mean, the short week, the injury-riddled roster, it was all adding up to a loss on a primetime game for the Dolphins with Brock Osweiler, but still, it doesn't sting any less when you look at a defense that was just absolutely punchless on the night, or maybe it doesn't sting. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm numb to it. I haven't recorded a podcast this close to the finish of a Dolphins game this year, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. I haven't gone back and rewatched the game. I don't really intend to. I'll give you guys the film breakdown. We'll break all that stuff down next week with the extended time off this coming week, but I don't think anybody really wants to hear the playback from that game. I certainly don't want to go back and watch it and talk about it in this game. I'd prefer just to go forward and talk about the things that we can do in the future. And as you heard on the intro of the podcast, trying to mix it up and make things light here, I think this was the funeral game for the Miami Dolphins in 2018. And I know that that goes exactly against what I said in the podcast earlier this week, saying that this game would not be the absolute end of the season for the Miami Dolphins as far as playoff hopes, as far as trying to have a successful season. But the way this defense is broken, I just don't see how you get back. This season looks exactly like 2017 in way too many forms. The backup quarterback, the the defense melting down, the coaching staff kind of being in shambles. And we'll get to the quote-unquote what's next portion of the podcast later. But things look pretty bleak right now. So let's go ahead and go over the key areas where Miami looked completely inept in this game. And it continues with Matt Burke at number one in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, the post-game podcast for Friday, October the 26th. 
And stop me if you've heard this before, but Matt Burke and this defense and the scheme, there are issues that continue to show up every single week on this team. Just as the offense starts to find something of a rhythm, I guess, in certain games, the defense springs a huge leak. And it's the same things we saw last year with Matt Burke. Communication, the run defense in this wide nine. The way the run defense is set up for the wide nine is the defensive ends play so wide out on the edges. They're the ones that set the edge. They funnel things back inside to the linebackers. And then from there, all you have to do really is double one defensive tackle, which is pretty easy to do. And you can pull a guard around to the play side. And then you have a lead up into the hole to take on a linebacker. And none of these linebackers are designed to shed, stack and shed blocks and make tackles like that. So they get washed out. And then you bring these safeties down who take terrible angles, both Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. It's just a recipe for disaster. I mentioned the seven touchdown passes compared to eight incompletions the last two games and the 600 rushing yards in the last three games. Yikes. The way Adam Gaze yields the ax after games like this, you have to think Burke is in serious danger of losing his job. And if he's not, then I completely question everything Adam Gaze is doing. I'm sure most of you are doing the same thing as well at home. And I actually thought Gaze called a really good game in this one tonight, but it wasn't enough. It's never going to be enough when your defense is that bad and when your quarterback plays that bad. But as far as options beyond Matt Burke, we'll talk about that in the final segment tonight. Number two issue of the night, I mentioned it earlier, Brock Osweiler. All right, did we get the Brocktober, Brocktoberfest, Brock Lobster stuff out of our system? I sure as hell did. He showed you who he is tonight. He was meh in the Bears game. He was pretty good in the Lions game. And then tonight, ugh, that's a pretty typical three-week ride on the Brock coaster. And truthfully, probably even a little better than you get on the Brock coaster most times out. And Tannehill, he needs to come back soon, no doubt about that. But if you think that he's saving this season, you're outside your mind. This team is a mess on defense and offensively, all the injuries, it's just, it's a mess right now. So Matt Burke, the quarterback position, number three, the pass rush. I mean, this eight-man rotation that was built to play with a lead and built to play like the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. This group has been as underwhelming as any position group across the NFL. No pressure on a god-awful offensive line of the Houston Texans. And when they did get home, they can't finish any of the sacks. And they never seem to want to blitz at opportune times. And when they do blitz, it's Matt Burke just guessing the defensive call. Horrible play calls, horrible communication horrible scheme horrible 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 on defense all the way around number four the injuries and this is a cop-out to protect coaching or whatever because a lot of the core players you banked on are actually healthy right now and they're just not performing whether it's them or the scheme that's another discussion I think it's more of the scheme but the injuries are absolutely a thing under Adam Gase. Now, in 2016, they won 10 games and got into the playoffs with guys like Spencer Pacinger, Bakari Rambo, Michael Thomas, Byron Maxwell, Tony Lippett, Neville Hewitt, Andre Branch all played significant reps that year, and they got into the playoffs. Last year was an absolute train wreck before the season even started, and now, once again, here we are, year three. We're a damn mash unit again. I don't know where to point the blame for that, if it's just bad luck. Whatever it might be, it, it's got to get better. The Dolphins cannot compete if they continue to lose starter after starter after starter. And last point here on the game, what the hell was with the officiating in that game? Just awful, utterly awful each and every week. At this point, I'm not sure what was worse, the officiating or Matt Burke's defense in that game. They were both terrible, and I keep on using all these adjectives. I'm probably going to run out by the end of the show. But next, we're going to do a quick breeze by of the individual showings from tonight's beatdown, and we'll get to that here in a minute on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. 
It is our Friday post-game recap podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Wingfield with you guys here every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's go ahead and break down some of these individual performances from the game and just breeze through it real quick. And then next segment, we'll get to the where do we go from here type of segment. I know that's probably what everybody wants to get to anyway. But let's talk about some of these players real quick. Brock Osweiler from an accuracy standpoint, was a total train wreck. The processing went backwards. I think we all saw what Brock Osweiler really is in this game tonight, so we can go ahead and move on from that experiment. Kenyon Drake continues to impress me in his limited role, and I know that Frank Gore is having a great season so far, but I think we got to see more of Kenyon Drake because he can contribute both in the pass game and the running game, and he has a future in Miami. Devontae Parker, wow, he shut me up in this game. He looked fantastic catching balls off of his body, getting downfield, had another chance at a big play that Brock Osweiler missed him on and had another catch on one of those funny tipped passes where Jakeem Grant caught it, the ball got stripped out, bounced off a Texans helmet, and then Devontae Parker was right there for the catch. So he showed out and possibly upped his trade value ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. Jakeem Grant, I think between him, Kenyon Drake, and Albert Wilson, and maybe even Mike Gesicki, we'll see about that. That's not a bad offensive core to build around, but Jakeem Grant showed you that he can get open on the perimeter from the slot. He can do lots of stuff for you, and that speed does not quit. Danny Amendola, love how tough that guy is. Love the catches he makes in traffic. He's probably not going to see success in Miami as far as winning goes, but it's still cool to get a chance to see him play with the Miami Dolphins. I mentioned Mike Gesicki and the tight ends. This was not a good game for them. Gesicki just looks lumbering at times and slow, even though he's like the greatest athlete to ever come out of the combine in Indianapolis. So why he looks the way he does is really strange to me. On the offensive line, Laramie Tunzel is such a good left tackle. One of the five best left tackles in the NFL, bar none. He shut out Khalil Mack when he had his 20 or so pass rush reps against Tunzel in that game in Chicago. And in the first half against Jadavian Clowney, Clowney did absolutely nothing. I think Clowney got home on a blitz later in the game. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong there. I kind of tuned out later in that fourth quarter, but Tunzel looks awesome. Jesse Davis, I think he's still very good. He has a couple of warts in pass protection now and then, but for the most part, I like Jesse Davis. Jawan James, he had a rough one again. He got beat by J.J. Watt a couple times early on. They did some things with the play calling to help him out, and he got better, but still he just he has so many up and down games that it's a concern. Travis Swanson was a train wreck at center. He got bowled over way too often. Ted Larson got replaced by Wesley Johnson, who outperformed Ted Larson, who has been a train wreck the last few weeks. So that position is a mess once again. Left guard never seems to get fixed for Miami. On the defensive side of the ball, Cameron Wake is really fading, I suppose is the word. He played really well against the run earlier this year, but his pass rush, his get off, that first step, the closing speed, the ability to close sacks, it's just, it looks like it's gone. I know he's 36, 37 years old, coming off a knee injury, but you just have to wonder how much time he has left and if it's better spent in Miami or elsewhere. Robert Quinn was invincible. I think he might have came out of the game later because I noticed that Andre Branch was getting the bulk of the work in the second half of that game, even when the game was still within reach. So you wonder what's going on there. But his signing, or trade for, I should say, has not looked good so far. Vincent Taylor left the game on a cart. I don't know what happened with him, but I assume that he might be out for a while. If he is, it's just another freaking cog in the wheel as far as the Dolphins' 2018 injuries go. Akeem Spence was a nightmare. He kept getting pushed out of the hole consistently and getting rolled back into the linebackers. Raekwon McMillan, that guy does not trust his eyes. His instincts are way off. And he and Jerome Baker, they are just not quite getting it right now. And I think there's something to write home about with Jerome Baker. Raekwon McMillan, I'm still a little bit hesitant on, but I think they're going to have to take some of these lumps and growing pains with these guys because they both instinctually are just not there right now. Kiko Alonso, all the stats, all the takeaways, all the stuff he has done, 
he's really still the same guy he's always been that can't get off blocks and has to have the exact right run fit to make a play in the running game. I just I I know he's had a good year this year in terms of what we expected from him, but long term I don't think he's an answer or a solution. Bobby McCain, he I hope he's still hurt because he was awful in this game and he was bad last week too. They picked on him, they went downfield. He had a play where he had an illegal contact and a pass interference on the same play. I mean, that's just brutal. He got torched deep all night long. Xavier Howard, DeAndre Hopkins started picking things up later in the game as far as his production goes, but in the first half he had three targets, two catches, and eight yards, and Xavier Howard traveled with him there before they started getting away from him in zone coverage later in the game. So I think Xavier Howard had a good game, at least in the first part of it. Minka Fitzpatrick, as far as coverage goes, I think had some lapses tonight, but that's to be expected with the young player, and especially in this defense. TJ McDonald is an absolute tire fire. I think he needs to go to the bench pretty quickly. Rashad Jones, he makes some plays, but there's some gaps there as well. His angles are still kind of questionable. And then the kicker, Jason Sanders, how good has he been so far? I think he made three more tonight in the game, so he looks fantastic kicking the ball. And good on Darren Rizzi for finding that guy and getting the Dolphins a competent kicker, I guess, is the best part of the season. And that's when you know your season is really going the wrong direction, as Miami has now lost four of the last five games and now sit at 4-4 four and four halfway through the season. The season feels kind of lost right now. I guess we have 10 days off to think about this one and try to come back and get the Jets, which at home, maybe Ryan Tannehill comes back. I don't think he will be back, but nonetheless, this team does play better at home. But that's 10 days away. And next on the podcast, we'll close this thing up by telling you how things can get better in the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. final segment on a Friday podcast. We are almost to the weekend and we are talking about the 42 to 23 loss at the hands of the Houston Texans. Travis Winkle with you guys here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And the big question now is where do we go from here? Because so many fans and rightfully so are ready to punt on the season. I have seen some tweets of folks saying not yet. It's four and four. We have a chance to get things corrected. We can still go nine and seven. Even then, how much does that do for this team going forward? I know you want to see individual progress, but being stuck in that no man's land, I always didn't believe like in the tanking idea. I don't think I want team to try to lose on purpose, but Sometimes it is better to be worse than to be mediocre. And Daniel Jeremiah, the host of the Move the Sticks podcast, he's on NFL Network all the time, one of my favorite guys in the business, a great analyst, a great former scout. He's even catching on to the idea that maybe you're in, you have two options in the NFL. You chase titles or you tank. Because if you're stuck in the middle, that's where you're going to be for a long time. And how do we not how do we refute that? I mean, that's where the Miami Dolphins have been. For the last 17, 18 years, even back towards the end of Marino's career, getting 9, 10, 11 wins, winning a playoff game maybe, then getting bounced in embarrassing fashion in the divisional round. There's just a certain way to build a team and to to build a complete football team that you can compete, maybe not year in and year out because that's so tough to do in today's NFL, but there's ways you can reset the roster and get yourself into windows here and there and compete for championships rather than just trying to band-aid things over and get back to 10 wins and make a playoff and maybe win a playoff game and then from there just fall apart. And I don't I'm I'm over that, I think. I don't I don't really want to chase 10 win seasons anymore. And where you start with this whole thing is you fire Matt Burke. And I don't know about Adam Gaze at this point. I just don't I, I like a lot of things about him. He had endorsements from every single legendary NFL figure you could possibly think of when he was hired here by the Dolphins. 
but that feels like eons ago. And I wish I had more conviction for you guys here. I just don't know at this point. I need to see the final eight games before I can more confidently make that decision and a judgment on Adam Gaze for myself. But I do think he has to make a decision on Matt Burke soon. And by decision, I mean let him go because it's not too soon to let Matt Burke go. He just, he has to go. This isn't working. It's completely awful. And in his interim spot that's vacated or that would be vacated, I would look to promote either Chris Kusarek or Tony Oden to finish out the year, the defensive line coach or the defensive backs coach to call your plays, maybe get more aggressive, maybe call more blitzes, maybe don't just draw plays out of a hat. I don't know. Anything can be better than what we're doing right now. And we have a trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. And let's go ahead and discuss some of the possibilities for Miami. I highly, highly doubt they punt on the season. I don't think Adam Gase has that luxury. It would have to be a command coming down from Steven Ross. And who knows what the hell he's doing at this point. Probably just chilling and, and just being oblivious to all of this that's going on. But some guys you would have to think about. And this is going to rub some people the wrong way. So I apologize off the top. But what about Rashad Jones? Is he going to be here when this team gets turned around? Is he going to be part of the championship puzzle when they are ready to compete in however long it is? I don't I don't think he is. He's 29 years old. He makes a lot of money. He could go play somewhere for a couple of years and really help a team get to a championship. I, I don't want to see him go. He's one of my favorite players. He's one of the best players on the team. But I think there are instances where you trade away good talent for draft picks in return because they're hitting a certain point in age where they maybe aren't worth it anymore, especially when you consider the fact that he's had two shoulder injuries in the last three years that have been pretty significant, and he's playing through one right now again. So maybe you find a way to unload Rashad. That allows you to put Mika Fitzpatrick back at safety where you want to play him more long-term, so it kind of has a double whammy effect in that way. Cameron Wake, he looks like he's lost a step, and I hate saying that because I never thought it would happen, but if you can get a pick for him, I don't see why you wouldn't do it, especially if Charles Harris comes back and you can play him full-time and get a better idea of what he is. Devontae Parker had a great game tonight in the, the big loss to Houston, but do you really want to bank on that guy to be reliable for you? He's never been reliable in four years. He takes an injury every year, and he's shown flashes like this. We've seen this kind of ability, but Fool me once, you know, fool me twice, however many times he's going to fool you. I'm not going to get fooled again by that guy. If I can get a decent draft pick for him and Amari Cooper goes for a first round draft pick, Devontae Parker has a huge night. His value is probably not going to get higher than it is right now. I would pounce on that immediately. Frank Gore, this is the Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs show if I'm in charge now. I love Frank Gore. I, I hope he enjoys the reunion tour that he had, but if he wants to go to a team that has a chance to win more, I would grant him that wish, but if he wants to stay, I would grant him that as well. Kiko Alonso, it's time for Bacon Rake. Ba Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan, gotta find out if these growing pains are just those, or if these guys are just not any good at football. I mean, Kyle Krabs tweeted out earlier tonight that Raekwon was never good, not even at Ohio State. And he's one of the best draft guys there is. So that's very discouraging. I know Kiko wouldn't necessarily stand in the way of playing time for those two guys. But if you can get a draft pick for Kiko and unload that contract, I would certainly look at doing that. As far as how things go from the staff and from the long-term perspective, you got to start with the defensive staff. At least Matt Burke, I've said it a million times already. They have to change the scheme. The wide nine is way too vulnerable and just does not fit the parts this defense has. There's a lot of good young players on this defense. 
If I'm in charge, I'm going to try to find a coach that can formulate the best scheme with these guys and start building the defense in that direction. My initial idea is probably to go to a 3-4 and play Big Vince on the nose, Devon Godshaw on the strong side edge. You might have to find the other end. Could be a Jonathan Woodard, maybe someone else down the line. And then your outside linebackers are now your converted defensive ends, like a Charles Harris possibly, if he ever picks it back up. Rayquan McMillan would be more protected inside at linebacker, and Jerome Baker could play anywhere on the linebacker position group there, inside, outside, Sam, Will, wherever it is. I feel good about that with him, having more space to operate with. And speaking of Matt Burke and hiring and firing and all that good stuff, just saw a tweet from Adam Gaze's press conference, and Adam Gaze says he does not foresee replacing Matt Burke this year. My God, man. My God. Uh, All I can do is laugh at that. Let's go ahead and press on. In the secondary, you have to bench McDonald, like right now. His angles, his coverage, his speed, it's all terrible. I would kick Bobby McCain back inside where he's much better player in the nickel, move Minka back to safety, and get some playing time for Cordray Tankersley, Cornell Armstrong, some time on the outside for these guys. I mean, why not? Can it be any worse than it has been the last few weeks? It's time to start prepping Minka to play where his long-term home is, and you can do that in a number of ways, but you can do it right away just by benching TJ McDonald, get Minka Fitzpatrick on the field for every play because Houston, in their package tonight, got Minka Fitzpatrick on the bench because they ran more 12 personnel and kept the nickel cornerback off the field. No excuse for that. He has to play. The quarterback position, again, this is one that I just don't really know. This draft is not great. And we actually just booked John Ledyard of the Draft Network to talk about the quarterbacks in this class on Tuesday's podcast, on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I do love Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State and would be all in on going out to get him, but he might not declare. He's only a sophomore this year. So who knows if he even declares. As far as the veteran option route, I don't love it, especially not Derek Carr. That's a lateral move at best to Ryan Tannehill and you have to give up assets. I'd be okay with bringing in someone like Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Ryan Tannehill and then train up Luke Falk and plan on going hard after the 2020 class. I think between Teddy, Ryan, and Falk, you'd have three guys that you can kind of assess that way and not have to go all in on a really mundane 2019 draft class. I know it's not what everybody wants to hear. They want to get fixed right away, but that's not always how it works. And if Miami can secure a high pick in this draft class or just in general, any pick in the first round, they're going to need to trade it out for an additional first round draft pick in 2020. That's the quarterback class. Everyone's going to be hot on. Miami has to get ammunition and try to compete to get up the draft in 2020 to go get that quarterback. If that's the route they want to go, the young player, the rookie quarterback. I know this all sucks, but Aren't we kind of used to this by now? Talking about the future before hallow fucking ween. You kind of get used to it, but you really don't, but you kind of do. At least there are some things to keep an eye on going forward. A lot of good young pieces to keep an eye on their growth and their progress. Let's end this podcast with some positives. Laramie Tunzel is an elite left tackle in this league. Xavier Howard, even though Hopkins got loose in the second half, I think he can shadow and handle the best receivers in this game. Mentioned that first half stat line. He was very good. And I talked about it earlier as well. Kenyon Drake, Jakeem Grant, and Albert Wilson. To me, that's a good core of young offensive talent to build around. Lots of speed, lots of versatility. And Mike Kosecki, he might get there, but right now he looks pretty awful. But it is tough for a tight end to come in and produce right away. It's a tough position to learn, so we'll give him a pass for now, I suppose. I don't think this team is far off, like way far away, the way the Cleveland Browns were a couple years ago, the way the Arizona Cardinals appear to be right now. I just don't have a lot of the answers, if that makes sense. I don't think there is some five-year project like the Browns were, but the tough part is the uncertainty, and that's what we have going on right now with the head coach, with the quarterback. 
that's where things really get dicey for this team's future. I think we focus on building up the ground game offensively next season. There's clearly a great crutch to have in Miami particularly in September and October, to be a heavy run-based team. Plus, you've got a pretty good start with Laramie Tunzel, Jesse Davis, and sometimes Juwan James, who is really inconsistent this year. But I'd go for more guys on the interior like Jesse Davis, who have size, but can also get out on power pulls and help you in the zone scheme. I would focus on building up that part of the team, start prepping to make a functioning, balanced offense that you can inject a rookie quarterback into that allows him to flourish and have success early in his career. We do still have eight games to go. I'm going to keep on giving you guys the podcast and the columns and the breakdowns and the tidbits. We'll do all of that still throughout the course of the year. We'll get through this together, guys. We're trained for this. We've been training for two decades for this. We got this. And that is my time for the podcast. It is my birthday weekend. My friends put together a little football watching weekend party, so I can't be too bummed out when I'm there. Going to be a good time doing all of that. And for the post-game recap column on LockedOnDolphins.com, check out Jason Harina's piece. He did a fantastic job on that, pinch hitting for me in that regard. Let's go ahead and get out of here for the podcast and remind you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and keep up to date on our daily blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. And I ain't got much else.